Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. It's the Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson. He played in the league. He's still doing analysis. He's out there at practice each and every day at training camp. I uh, I just sit in the studio and talking to microphones and uh, try to make sense of it all. But that's all right. I used to cover the team. Uh, I, I And to be honest, Logan, I miss training camp a little bit. As hot mm. as it is out there, uh, the amount you get to see, I'm, I might just have to make a trip to Ashburn soon. I might have to leave the comfort and air conditioning of this very nice studio and make a trip out to Ashburn. You should definitely do that, bud. They, they miss you out there, I think. You think? You're, don't don't bother asking around. I don't... We I can wanna, just leave that we'll as see. a... We can leave that as a hypothesis, uh, not to be tested. But the main story today is that Dan Snyder has testified behind closed doors for the House Oversight Committee. The thing is, though, there's not really anything to talk about with it on the podcast because it was behind closed doors. There was actually no information that's come out. In fact, as we're recording this live right now, we actually haven't heard that this testimony has ended. So if there is still news repercussions, reverberations from that, we will talk about it on Monday's pod. And of course, we will have reaction live on the radio on Hoffman's show. Uh, But it's here. It is here. It is time for football. You got two practices under your belt. Uh, as we record this on Thursday afternoon. And Logan, I think in the spring, what was really interesting was seeing how this offense gelled together. Terry wasn't even there yet, but you saw Carson picking things up quickly. Jahan looked amazing. You know, you have all these different pieces, and you're going, wow. And then here we are, two days into training camp, and the defense from everything that I've read and everything that we've talked about off the air that we're now going to bring on it, defense has been crushing it. Yeah, defenses has been crushing it. And I, I don't think it would be as surprising if they had looked better during OTAs and minicamp, but they just looked so out of sorts uh, during that period that you kind of thought, man, this is this group is much farther behind than, than I would have thought at this point of year. But then they come into training camp and it's like a totally different animal, totally different ball of wax. Like the first day was okay, but today was a dominant performance by that group. I mean, they, they put in some more aggressive, aggressive coverage shells. And what I mean by more aggressive coverage shells, they're in more man, more blitz packages, things like that that kind of heat up the offense that are a little bit more high risk defensively. So when I saw that, I just was like, holy cow, it just didn't feel like the offense had 
a good answer. And sometimes that happens when you're installing, right? Because offenses kind of abide by, as you know, kind of a day one install, which is very basic. Day two install, which is a little bit more advanced, but still very basic. And so sometimes you don't have the protections in to accommodate some of these rushes and you haven't repped it enough to accommodate that. And so today you definitely saw that. But I think the important variable to take away when looking at the defense today specifically is that the coverage really matched up with the rush. They knew the mm. pressures were coming. They didn't like get in these crazy deep back pedals. There wasn't a ton of space. They understood the timing that the ball would need to be out in, and it allowed them to play it a really, really dramatic way. And I just look at like William Jackson the third, a guy that had a rough spring, and today he was very competitive. Kind of, I don't want to say glove and Terry up, but you know, like I said, it's not Terry one on one with. Jackson, it's Jackson understanding that the pressure and the rush is going to get home and he doesn't need to abide by this crazy vertical speed that Terry's presenting him. So that was awesome. And then again, Benjamin St. Juice is another guy that I think a lot of fans heard from OTAs and he has just kind of kept that momentum into the spring. Like today he had an excellent uh, one-on-one with Jahan where Jahan ran an excellent route. He just uses a little bit of length, a little bit of tug and is able to make the throw tough for um, Carson, but then the next play, this is what's so fun about training camp, the next play, Jahan, or uh, Benjamin St. Juice is in Jahan's pocket, and Jahan makes a tremendous circus catch on a man-beating concept uh, for a huge play. So there was some positive lights for the offense, but I felt like the rush was just so dynamic today. It was just the pressures were hitting home. Some of those were mental mistakes by the offensive line, and some of it was just literally being outmanned and outmatched defensive yeah. personnel to offensive line personnel. So that's kind of where I want to then double click where, where we, we fill in the, the details is why is this happening, right? There, yeah. There's personnel, there's scheme, there's, you know, I'd say defensive personnel excelling, offensive personnel potentially making mistakes, and there's scheme uh, that can contribute to all of this. I always look at scheme first when it comes to training camp because, sure. like you said, offense, if they're on day one and defense is like, nah, let's have some fun today, which <laughs> is something that, you that know, obviously is, is signed off on by the head coach, it's, you know. I think I think Ron would be pretty ticked if Jack just ruined practice by throwing out every blitz pack. It's like, ah, we're gonna pretend it's third down on every down. Like <laughs> that, that doesn't really help your football team. So it, it's it's all part of a, a larger plan and, and seeing how Carson and the offensive line. And by the way, uh, we should mention uh, from a news front right before we started recording, Chase Rouillet was activated off the pup list, so he should start oh. making his way back into. The lineup. Who was even playing center today, and, and what did you see in terms of the communication between Carson and whoever that was? Yeah, so that was really interesting too, because you know the the starting lineup has been Cosme at right tackle, uh, Trey Turner at right guard, Wes at center, who's done a great job at that, filling in for Chase, Norwell at left guard, and then uh, Charles Leno at left tackle. And Charles Leno is like a ten year vet, so his play in practice is is on a pitch count almost every single day, right? And it was a little warm out there today, so I think they were being cognizant of that. But Trey Turner went down, I want to say, within the first thirty minutes of practice, and so then they kind of had to go into this great shuffle. And I think that is also part of the reason why um, practice was a little bit disconjointed from an offensive standpoint, because then you take West and you bump him to guard, and West is a fine guard. But he hasn't got any reps at guard. He did the entire OTA and minicamp period playing center. Every single rep. So now he's playing guard. He's done that before. That's fine. But then you bring in Ishmael to play center, right? Norwell's the left guard. And who, by the way, who, is not your third center or your second center. He's your fourth he's center. Just, yeah, Because right. Tyler Larson's also on PUP, and he would be ahead of Ishmael on, on the depth chart. 
So that's kind of, again, that's a big lift. And then Norwell, who is also a veteran, is also on a pitch count. So you get like a rotation there of Norwell for some periods, but Sadiq Charles and um, uh, Chris Paul kind of backs up all three, uh, both guard spots. And then, and then Leno's out. And so usually if Leno's kind of taking a vet day, that's not a big deal. It's not a big deal at all. But because, um, what's his name? Not Sadiq. Cornelius Lucas. Backup, Cornelius Lucas is out. Then yeah, that begins on the, gets a little the non-football injury list, but he was at practice today, so we'll see. He's at practice. If he starts. Yes. He, he starts getting back involved. And, you know, he's got to be activated in play, but like he was at least around the club today. Sure. And so all of a sudden, this offensive line, which was very dynamic, very consistent through OTAs and minicamp, is now kind of a I don't want to say complete mess, but everyone's playing a new spot outside of Cosme for the most part. So obviously, that's a big deal when it comes to protection issues. And you know, this year uh, I've I've talked to some coaches. Um, they're not having the quarterback call the protections, so it's the center calling the protections. And obviously, if you get a new person in there doing that who hasn't had a ton of reps at it, on a day where they're bringing a little bit more pressure than you probably expected at this point in the offseason, it gets a little bit dicey very, very quickly. So I think that was a huge a huge component because you, know, you can't hit the quarterback in practice, but it's tough to make a good read when Payne beats the guard on a quick swim and is like literally standing right in front of you. Like You just can't see the field. So you make some weird decisions. You throw the ball when you shouldn't. And I think that was a huge, huge part of it. Just kind of the musical chairs on the O-line, get new people, call them protections. And then you could just tell that some of the new guys just didn't get exactly what they should be doing. Yeah. And the thing is, like you said, like Payne has a great day and has looked good through these two days. Well, that's one of the best interior D linemen in football. Like he's a first right. round pick who's had really, really, a really successful young career so far. Is in line for a huge contract next off season, and he's going against the fourth string center, the second string guard, uh, or maybe the third string guard who hasn't played a lick of guard in a year, basically. So like it, it's not a fair fight at that point, and when your your quarterback is still learning the system and worried about other stuff maybe he's not as available to help with protect or not as maybe not as available not as capable to help with protection right. yet because it's his second day of training camp in this system there's just a lot of factors that can certainly explain this but it we say all that and it's still different results than we saw in the spring like all those things yeah, were pretty true in the spring as well and and I think that's the interesting thing is like okay Sure, but in the spring, the offense still won. So this is, I think, obviously a great time for the defense, even as explainable as it is for the offense. And I think you bring up two really good points there. One, I feel like Payne is a man on a mission, and he he is, quite frankly. His mission is to get paid a lot of money, right? So he has come out, and he just seems to be – He's always been good, but he just seems to be a little bit more motivated this year. And obviously, when you get a motivated pain, that's a scary proposition because he's 330 pounds and he moves with a quickness that is very unique for a man of that size. And second, I think this... So when Jack was in minicamp, I think we remember talking about it on this podcast before, is that the defense started to improve. And one of the things Jack did in that period was he started bringing a lot of pressure during that phase. And I feel like he just was like, maybe this is the solution. And that kind of pressure philosophy has carried over into now. A lot more games, a lot more pressures, a lot more aggressive coverages today. And the offense, as a result, is just a little out of sorts. And this was the same thing that was out of sorting them during minicamp when the entire offense is in. So maybe this is something that needs to be evaluated in terms of what they want to do and how they handle some of these protection looks. And it's good it's happening now. 
because you can get you yeah. can develop answers for it. Right. Is this something that for the defense though is sustainable? Because it, it could be a solution mm-hmm. against this offense, but if this is the only way they can play, you get a I don't know a, a Chiefs, a Packers. I'm trying to think who's actually on the schedule. You get a team. Uh, yeah. Those two teams I don't think are on the schedule this year. They Minnesota, year. Tennessee. Uh, so, yeah, but you one uh, of those uh, you get a quarterback. You know, and look, they're you know as we talked about the Warren Sharp a couple weeks ago, like they're set to play one of the worst slates of quarterbacks you can play in the NFL. They're still all NFL yeah. quarterbacks, but it's not like you're playing Rodgers, Mahomes, and, and the, the rundown of guys you played last year. But you do get someone who knows how to get the ball out quickly if you're super reliant on pressure and knows where the solutions are, uh, as opposed to a quarterback who eventually, we hope, certainly knows those things for the commander's sake, but is still very new in his offense, and and that's not going to be this... The, like, this can't be the only way they can play. So I guess I'm, I'm asking, like, how how sharp is this double edged sword? Great for now, but do they need to have more solutions? Other th- or are they just going to be a pressure team and you live and die by the blitz? And hopefully, you live more than you die. Well, actually, I think you know I think that's a really good question because it's really hard to know for sure because of the the flux on the offensive line today. I think that was something that was more significant. The more I think about it, the more I talk through it with you, it's a huge variable, right? So even some of the the, the games that they're running, you know, the TEs, so. You know, the, the tackle picking for the end coming underneath or the end picking for the tackle or the two tackles picking for each other on pass rushing downs becomes very, very effective against guys who don't work together that often, right? And right. Uh, and there were the times where it just looked like the offensive line just couldn't, it just wasn't capable of handling it, right? So again, that helps with some of that stuff because one of the things they did early last year in the season is they came out saying, we're going to create pressure, we're going to play aggressive coverages, and the pressure didn't match the coverage philosophy. And I think that's something that you saw today, how it, how it all meshes together. But I, you bring up a good point. Is that because the offensive line's kind of eh? Or is that because that the coverage on the back end was better? And I think it's probably a little bit of both. I think the coverage has looked better. They've looked more confident in the back end, which is a huge variable. But also, like today, the rush was just kind of... I don't want to say... I don't want to like overhype it, but it was like ne- like out of this world. Like It's something that is not sustainable, right? But I think because the coverage is better maybe that helps the rush. You know, everyone talks about the rush helping the coverage. Does that make sense? Maybe this is yeah. the, the reverse of that. Yeah. Uh, on the, the rush front, who looked good? Um, and is there anybody on the edge that is amongst that group that's going to need to replace Chase Young if he misses time at the beginning of the year? Yeah, I think that was the interesting thing today is I think there was a lot of mental mistakes <clears throat> where you did get free runners. Um, so, like, James Smith-Williams had, like, three or four pressures today three of the four run block like he was just running straight to the quarterback Montez worked good Cosby's done a great job against Montez I love that matchup every single day they're just both making each other better and for the young butt to come out there and compete against a guy who's probably gonna have 10 plus sacks this year I think is pretty impressive but again they they got got Cosby and the guard uh Wes Schweitzer because they don't work together that often and I think it was uh Cosby and Sadiq in this particular instance got got on a pick play which Montez did a great job Bullying the inside shoulder of Cosme into into um, into Sadiq's shoulder, and the tackle is able to loop around and get a sack. And so again, like that's just kind of the level it was at today. Everybody was doing a great job. Um, one of the uh, William Bradley King, he had an interception today on a drop. You know, again, like that's just kind of how the day went. 
everybody looked good. Every every all the defensive line looked good, linebackers looked good, secondary looked good, and the offense looked out of sorts outside of a couple of plays. I actually thought in team run today, the offense did a really nice job. They installed some like gap kind of power uh, pulling kind of stuff, and I think they there were some lanes there. Nothing big, but it looked sharp. And then they got in the pass game, and the offensive line just. It just couldn't hang, you know. I just felt like the defense came out with better energy. They looked fresher, and I, that's a huge part of it. So, in terms of sustainability, and in terms of who looked good, it's really hard to take like, oh, these guys look good, because a lot of them were just running free to the quarterback half the time. So, tough deal today for the offense. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That's Logan Paulson. All right. Offensively, though, I do think, like, a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about is short-term. This is what happened today. This is the context of it. We're two days in. There's only so much we can draw long-term ramifications of anything. However, offensive line depth is something that was a bit of a concern coming Mm -hmm. in. And so what... What did today show you about those concerns? And the answer could range from like, yeah, they're valid. We're in deep trouble to like, hey, they're getting experience. So it's, it's going to be helpful. Like, where, where are you on, on in, within that range or somewhere outside of it? I think it just shows you the value of a guy like Cornelius Lucas. You know, I think that's, that's what I came out of today thinking. Like having him. So just as this is an example. So one offensive line. So Cosme and Leno, they work against uh, James Smith Williams and, and Montez Sweat. When that second group comes in, when the second group of offensive line come in, they're working against Casey Tuhill and uh, I forget who the other edge rusher is. Um, oh, uh, Abada, F.A. Abada. And both of those guys have played a ton of football in the NFL. Like, like Casey basically started for mostly like half the year last year, and Obata has been a significant role player everywhere he's went. So if you don't have like a good backup tackle situation, those two backup guys can just wreck practice. And that's kind of what happened today. They're, they're basically rushing a, a, against a guy who was signed the last day of, of minicamp, and he's starting now as a two because Cornelius Lucas isn't there. So again, and you know, usually you have to bump Sadiq Charles out. You have to bump Chris Paul out to play um, to play tackle, to play right tackle, and Cornelius to play left. But that's okay because both those guys have played tackle before. So at least you can survive now. You know what I mean? But take Cornelius out. You've got two guys who are very inexperienced playing tackle, and then if you've got to bump. Chris Paul or Sadiq out. You've got another kind of rotational guard in, and then everybody bumps up with the Trey Turner injury. So to me, I think the more glaring issue here is just the lack of tackle depth, quite honestly. I think at guard, you feel good. You've got guys like, even if we just go through the list, like let's say Trey Turner, Norwell, Wes Schweitzer, um, 
I think Sadiq could be very, very good. He did some stuff today athletically that's very impressive. Again, there's some, there's like just a lack of detail with some of his stuff, but athletically, like you love what you see out of him. And those are four guards right there that you feel pretty good about. I think Chris Paul is emerging as somebody that could be a good football player in this offense. And then we mentioned Ishmael Roulier as the centers. Like I think you feel pretty good about the interior depth guys. There's two guys in there that have played a lot of football. Wes has played a ton of football in the NFL. So you feel good about him backing up both spots. But that tackle spot gets really, really, really shallow. And you can see how it affects the whole group when he's out of there. Lucas, I'm talking about. Yeah. Do you think that they need to bring someone in like sooner rather than later? And these kinds of things happen all the time during training camp. Yeah. There's, Someone floating out there, and, and look, you know, at this point you're looking for a backup, and backup players are more likely to be available than starting caliber players. So is this the kind of situation where they need to bring someone in, or is Cornelius Lucas, if he's back by the end of the week, they're fine? Yeah, I think if, he, if he's back by the end of the week, I think you feel pretty good about it. I mean, Cornelius Lucas was that guy. He got cut in Oakland, or I forget exactly where. They signed him here kind of in the middle of training camp. He ended up making the team. So there are good offensive linemen floating around there. You just got to kind of hunt and peck and go find them, you know? So I think um, if, if that is a solution that needs to happen, I think go do it. But I think if Cornelius is healthy, I think you feel better. I think the other issue here is the age of Leno. Like he's going to take, he's not going to be practicing as much as the younger guys. And he's earned that right. That's not a criticism of him. Like that's good. Take care of your yeah. older guy. But if that's going to be a common thread, especially moving later into camp, something you, you might need to bring someone else in just to kind of offset that and make sure you don't have practice days like this where, you know, essentially your third tackle is blocking F.A. Obata or uh, Casey Tuhill, guys that, again, have played football in the NFL. Right. Is there anything that they can do to kind of help the quality of the practice if one of those guys are out, like, I mean, you're not going to go to F.A. Obata and be like, hey, hey, buddy, we need you to rush at 60% because that's right. all our guy can handle. But, like, is there anything you can do? I guess you could you could do more drills on air. You could do more seven-on-seven. Seven. Like, that, that was my ideas. You're, you played in the league. I just, I just watched a bunch of drills. What, what can they do to try to make sure that uh, they can get the work they need while not wearing guys out, specifically Leno? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think, again, like they do nine on nine, they don't do seven on seven here. And nine on nine essentially means you have the skill possession uh, players, then you have three offensive linemen in, and then you have two rushers. And it just helps with like the backs releases and quarterback vision, and it's not quite as physical as, you know, full 11 on 11 drill. So I think that's one way to handle that, do a little bit more of that. Um, again, and I think, you know, quite honestly, if I'm Scott Turner, I'm going to look at this and say, there are times we're going to be outmatched this year. What is my solution to this? Can I install? Can we game plan? Can I script a practice that allows us to kind of account for this? Because this this will happen at some point this year, right? You know, like someone's not feeling good or the matchup's not good. Like let's 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 game plan that a little bit. Let's make this happen. So I think that's something that I would definitely take a look at. And then you know, I mentioned FA Obata. Like he was a guy that was kind of just chilling in OTAs and minicamp, and all of a sudden over the last two days, like it's like oh, it's like camps here. Let's get let's let it rip. So they might have thought they were doing okay based on OTAs and minicamp, and then FA Obata comes out and says this is this is who I really am over these two days. And again, maybe you're not expecting that as a as an OC. So you know, this is again a good measuring stick of seeing where your depth is actually at. And I, you know, again, maybe it's the coach, the coach at me because I coach a little high school football. Like I'm saying, Scott, like let's do some different stuff. Let's see if we can game plan around this and and manage this issue from a, from a play calling standpoint. At the end of the day, if you're Ron Rivera, or at the end of two days, I guess if you're Ron Rivera, are you happy with how these practices have gone, or 
Uh, is it? I mean, I feel like almost at this time of year, it's impossible to be happy because like one side's always going to be doing well, and you're like, yeah, and that means the other side is not doing as well, and you're like, oh no, we have to, <laughs> we have to find solutions. That's for the record. That was uh, those were internal thoughts. That was that was clearly not a Ron Rivera impression. That's it's <laughs> not what Ron sounds it like. A, it's not a good Ron uh, impression. No, because because it, it wasn't a Ron impression. I don't have a good Ron impression. I want to work on it. I think by the end of training camp, maybe that's going to be a mission. I mean, we're going to play the top five things. He does have a things. very yeah. very distinct speaking style. I think you could definitely get there with that. Yeah, there's like it's funny because he's got such a distinct. It's not really vocabulary. I mean, I guess it it, I guess it is vocabulary, but it's like his word choice is very distinct in some of the phrases very that he falls back yep. on. Yeah, and so like I re- I went up reading the transcripts a lot of times to try to t- tell Anthony like, hey, let's get this bite for the show because it's a lot more efficient than right. listening to the entire presser if I don't have the chance to catch it live. And there's just certain phrases that I think I think if I can latch on to, I can develop a decent Ron Rivera. I agree. So this is it's, this is my training syntax. camp assignment. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, Craig, I'm going to flip that back to you. Okay. How would you feel? How would you, honestly, how would you feel if the defense was crushing the offense over 2 days? I feel like I'd feel a little bit frustrated if if my practice plan is not like just, "Hey, let's let's compete and see what happens." That that if yeah. if I've got my ones on if I got ones on fours, I'm not super psyched that my ones are winning. I'm like, "Why how can I yeah. get my ones on my ones?" So I'd say I'm a little frustrated by it, probably to an extent. But I do think that what you just said is also true. That like, okay, this is going to happen this year. How do we game plan around it? I guess, I guess yeah. why I'm also asking you this question is to try to get an understanding of like how much of this stuff is scripted, how much of this is controlled, mm. versus how much of this is kind of live action simulation for for yeah. especially the coordinators because it's Ron's job to ultimately like kind of dictate how he wants everything to go. So if he's like I'm going to test Scott, Jack ramp it up, and Jack ramps it up and Scott doesn't respond, then I'm at least getting the information I want, and I can go to Scott and say, hey, like, come on, buddy, like, pick it up. Yeah. Let's let's get a little more creative. Like, I need to see some solutions. But then again, you also go – it's not like it's not like you go into a practice not knowing every single play you're going to call. I guess there right. are some situations in, like, if they simulate a two-minute or a four-minute offense where you are calling plays live – but so much of it is scripted that I feel like it's hard for me to answer that without knowing what the script was supposed to say. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that when I went back and watched practices, I was like, this, you know, I don't know what the install schedule is. Because usually what you do is you have like, let's say, let's say I'm the offensive coordinator, right? I'm going to just double check with Ron every day, or with not Ron, with Jack, to make sure that nothing is coming in that's going to bl- explode our brains, right? So if we're putting in, just say, like a run to the right, I need to make sure that if you have a Sam, like bringing the Sam linebacker, the strong linebacker, and the safety to that side, I need to have a solution other than just running right into that blitz. I need to have Oscar, so switching the direction of the run, or a check play tagged to that. And I need to know that, and that's my solution to that. So when I watched this today, I was like, is that is that what's going on here? And I felt like a lot of this stuff would have been picked up had they executed the pass protections correctly. And I think a lot of the stunts would have been picked up if they would have had more time working together. So I think it. while it, initially when I was watching practice on the field, I was like, man, this 
seems like Jack might have skipped ahead a day. You know what I mean? It might right. might have put right, and that's kind of what I'm asking. Yeah, might have put uh, Scott in a bad spot. I think it's it was just it was just there was a lot of mental mistakes. There was a lot of um, kind of working together mistakes on the offensive line. I think it, to put it kind of kindly, and that's that's true. I'm not trying to sugarcoat that. That's that's what happened. And I think those are what led to those mistakes. So as much as it seems like Jack was ahead of the curve, I just think they 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 just the guys didn't get the protections and how to match up with some of these blitzes. And I think that's that is problematic. But it's good that that happens because now you know Mascow is going to get those guys in meetings tonight and absolutely rip them apart. I'm 100 percent positive that's going to happen, and they're going to be better tomorrow. And that's that's life. That's life in the NFL. This happens. Ebbs and flows. Ebbs and flows. And I think the thing that was frustrating is it wasn't the same guy making this, the mistake on the uh, the pickup. It's a different guy every pickup, and I think that's pretty tough. Yeah, that's definitely tough. Okay, if that's the information that I've got, if I'm Rivera, I'm pretty happy. Like, I can live on day two with my backups and guys playing a little bit out of position compared to where they were making execution-level mistakes. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I can I can live with that. It's day two. If, it, if we're in day 12 and that's happening that's with tough. the same consistency, yeah. then I got an issue. But yeah. I I'm definitely happy about that, and I think I'm also happy about the fact. And, and look, I'm following it along via Twitter, and then talking to you about it, and, and having people on the show and everything, as opposed to getting to to really have a feel for myself live. But the fact that there were plays made later in practice, I think, also speaks well to the offense. Like I want a bit of back and forth. I want that feel that we get in the NFL during an NFL game where. In the first quarter, you take a shot in the mouth. The whole fan base is upset. Everyone's going crazy that everyone needs to be fired. And then it's like 14-7 midway through the second quarter, and you're up a touchdown, and everyone thinks you're going to the Super Bowl. Like I, I want that push and pull a little bit yeah. in my training camp practices. We don't need the, the, the hullabaloo of the outside pressure. But you, you know, I want to see how you respond to a little bit of adversity. I want to see that you stick to it and you try to make plays and that you continue to, to move forward. And so – Hearing that, even on back-to-back plays, like St. Juice makes a play against Jahan, Jahan goes out and makes a play the very next play, and Carson has the trust to throw it. Like that's yeah. that's to me is a good sign and, and says that hey, we're going in the right direction through two days. The bar is so low through two days. Two that, days that, yeah. that that to me seems like they're reaching it. And I think I think that's so important for fan- like you know we talk about this like you said like it's two days we talk about it a lot it's it's fun like it's 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 the only day that we have. But it's so easy to oversell two days of anything, right? So I think it's just important that this is probably going to get better. It's going to change. And to be fair to the defense today, it wasn't even that back and forth. Like that was like the one big play that happened today was Jahan. Like that's how dominant yeah. and on it the defense was. So um, again, only two days. A lot, of, a lot of time still yet to grow. Tomorrow there's a practice, which is always great. They don't even have pads on yet, so a um, lot of lot of cool stuff. So don't fans. I don't want to want to freak out, get excited about this, but really good two days for the defense. Offense has some growing to do. Hopefully they get it figured out in the next you know forty eight hours, seventy two hours. So. Take command podcast from Odyssey Sports. That's Logan Paulson. I'm Craig Hoffman. All right, let's dive in on a couple of the position updates just positions that we have been keeping an eye on throughout the spring now again two days worth of data but some interesting developments along the way perhaps the most newsworthy thing of the day happens at tight end antonio gandy golden retires he was the 2020 uh, draft pick at wide receiver converted to tight end in the spring 
this isn't that big of a deal. Like, uh, I mean, obviously it's a huge deal for Antonio and he's going to go back to right. school and pursue uh, whatever it is he's going to pursue in school. And congratulations to him on making that decision. I, that's, that can't be easy to pass up, right. uh, you know, even if it's practice yeah. squad money. Like practice squad, it's not good NFL money compared to what you get if you're on the active roster. But like that's a six-figure gig, I think. Uh, yep. So, you know, you pass that up and, and go back to school and, and hopefully he – is happy with that and continues to to grow as a, a human being and whatever uh, productive thing he's going to do in society with the degree that he gets. Um, so that's great for him. Um, but like he probably wasn't going to make the team. So for the purposes yeah. of, of us on this end of it and the podcast, like that really isn't that big of a deal. But John Bates didn't practice today. That means more opportunities yeah. for some of the young guys competing for either the third and or fourth spots, especially with Logan uh, Thomas continuing to be out. One, any concern about Bates? to how those young guys look, including Samis Reyes. Yeah, I didn't get to talk to Bates today. Uh, you know, I couldn't tell, I, I, you know, because he didn't seem like he was injured. He didn't go out with the injured guys. He didn't have any extra stuff on. So they might have just been kind of holding guys out. You know, Gibson kind of took, took an easy day today. Bates took an easy day. Like I said, Leno had a vet day. So maybe they were just kind of letting guys go out. It was ridiculously hot the first half of practice. So maybe they're just trying to keep people out of the stuff and get an evaluation on the other guys, you know, because I think you know right now Bates is the best guy at the position. He's the most trustworthy. He's played the most offensive snaps for you, which is crazy because it's his second year. But I, you feel very, very, very confident with what Bates has done through OTAs, through minicamp. First two days look great. So that kind of leaves you to the next group, which is Sam East Reyes, and he kind of looks like Bates 2.0. I think everyone thinks this basketball player, he's a little stiff, right? He's a little stiff. He's strong. He competes in line like he's going to be a Y, right? That's what he is. That's who his identity is. And then the next group is um, Cole Turner and um, Curtis Hodges. Cole Turner, every time I see him run a route, I think he's got something that um, could potentially be special from a route running standpoint. The thing I'm kind of I'm kind of frustrated with is they don't seem to be using him as like a mismatch weapon. You know what I mean? I think that's the thing that I, I, I want to see if he can do that. He shows good twitch on certain routes. He shows good savvy. He shows good awareness. He shows great hands. Let's see if he can take on a bigger role and be a contributor to this offense because he does have a unique skill set being as big as he is and um, having the explosion out of certain cuts. Not all cuts because he, he is so tall, but certain cuts he's very twitched up coming out of. So I just want to see a little bit more from him and like where he fits. And then Curtis Hodges is another guy that I think is um, – is very special from a movement standpoint. Like he's not the fastest guy, but he's got like these silky smooth hips. He's six eight. He's a little on the thin side, and he competes in line. I think the thing with him is like they want him to be a Y potentially, but he um, but he doesn't quite. He's not quite there from a conception standpoint in the running game. He's plenty physical. He's got great length. He does a good job in that category. But I think there needs some 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 learning needs to happen. But again, catches the football great. So I want to see more of those guys. I want to see them get to run a different kind of route tree. But that's not really what Scott does. So that's kind of a frustrating point for me in terms of evaluation. I want something to separate them. And right now, nothing has kind of done that. They've both just been really consistent, minus a couple mental mistakes here and there. And then the other guy that I think deserves a little bit of shout-out is the fullback who works out with the tight ends. I can't remember his name. He's from Carolina. And he's an interesting guy because he does play teams. He does kind of give you this fullback mentality, which is helpful because a lot of your runs that you're running in this offense, you don't necessarily need to be on the line of scrimmage. So I think that's a guy that, again, could be a dark horse for that fourth spot because of the fullback flex special team stuff that he does. 
talking about uh, Alex Arma. Alex Arma, thank you. Yeah, so I, I think yeah. that that again, that group is still very, very interesting, and in some ways more compelling without AGG in there because now those guys that were going to make the team or are in contention to make the team get more reps to do that, and so I think that's um, again that that to me that's one of the most compelling uh, position battles of training camp. Definitely. Um, can you explain to folks the difference between like Y, F, any of the other oh, sure. positions yeah, that sure. they're they're using and how that could affect? like how that could actually affect who makes the roster because you know if they feel like they're using in this offense more y tight end versus f versus h versus whatever yeah. other variations there are uh in this offense you know maybe a guy like reyes has an elevated chance even if cole turner right. has the chance to be a better quote-unquote matchup weapon or however you want to want to look yeah. at that yeah, I think that's a really good point. So a Y, like traditional Y skill set is a guy who's going to put his hand on the ground, be in a three-point stance, a guy that can block a defensive end, work works work some in the pass protection game, and is also a serviceable route runner. So that is like John Bates to a T. And Sam Israels is very, very close to him in terms of that skill set. They're almost identical. So you have two Ys right there, right? And the crazy thing, and we'll talk about this as we go, so I'll come back to that point. Remind me about that. The next point is your F. Your F is kind of your move guy. He'll line up in the slot. Remind Logan about the thing. About the thing. Excellent. And then he'll line up off the ball. They do a little bit more movement from a blocking standpoint, so they'll kind of flash back across the line of scrimmage. They'll pull sometimes. They'll insert. They just do some different blocking stuff. They'll block out in space a little bit more. So that's where Cole really comes in because he basically played wide receiver in college. I think – and so when you're constructing a room, you have a Y – Right, and then you probably have two guys with like an F skill set, and one of those that guys that could that isn't doesn't excel in the run game, but can get by in the run game. So Logan Thomas is like the perfect F because he can put his hand on the ground sometimes, but you probably prefer him in space. Cole Turner probably more of a space guy than inline guy, more of a receiver, right? So not even that kind of underlying blocking skill set of an F, but does fine. He competes, and we'll see how he looks with the pads on. And I think Curtis Hodges is probably like a perfect split of the both. He's probably a Y, but you feel good about his matchup because of his size, right? So I think when you're constructing that room, you say those first two guys, you have a starting Y and a starting F, right? So in this case, it would be Bates and Thomas. And if and if camp started ended today, it's maybe Cole Turner. That's why that's an interesting relationship there. And then you have um, your third spot. And your third spot is a guy who's got to do both but has to be crucial on special teams. And that's the thing that I wanted to bring up earlier. That third spot is a special team spot through and through, right? Because you're not going to play a lot on first and second down. You're not going to play a lot, period. Even if there's an injury, usually they'll bring another wide receiver in to fill that spot. So you have to be a murderer on teams. And that's where I think Sam East kind of separates himself. and Or Alex Armour even kind of separates himself a little bit because they say, we have played special teams in the NFL. We've done a good job at it. And despite the talent of those two young guys, they haven't done that. And so... If you're going to keep four, maybe one of them's on. But I think for special teams value, you're really looking at Sam East or Arma to fill that spot. And then assuming when Logan Thomas gets back that one of those other guys kind of kicks back to practice squad or kicks into like a fourth rotational spot. Yeah, this is a good time to bring up the uh, Michael Phillips point that nobody wants your practice squad, guys. Um, Every team (laughs) in the league has guys that are right on the edge of – a roster and they right. would rather keep their guys than take on your guys. So unless Cole Turner goes out and puts up a hundred yards a game in the preseason, in which case he's probably making your roster. 
like you're going to be able to get him to practice squad. Same thing with Samis, same thing with a lot of these guys that you're going to fall in love with over the next month. And as much as you fall in love with them, as, as good as they may look, every other team has the same exact guy who's got a different name and number and is a different, different, different 100%. guy, but the same guy. I love that you said that. I think the only issue that I see in getting Cole Turner to practice squad is that he was a fifth-round pick. And right. those guys with draft capital to their name, because everyone knows them, they were on everybody's evaluation for tight end, can be tough to get to. So that's that's one that I think you might end up with, you know, um, Bates, Logan, Sam East, and then Cole, you know, and then Alex Armour gets flexed to the practice squad. Because, right. again, he's a guy you probably could get to flag practice squad. Right, and so and that's kind of what I mean. Is like there's, but also if you needed to, you could get Samisa practice squad. Now that yes. runs into the special teams problem, but you're probably either keeping Arma or keeping a fourth tight end. Like it's almost like the battle is between those those positions and like a fifth linebacker or a fifth Correct. safety, as yeah. opposed to and this this I I feel like I try to explain it every year, and we've certainly mentioned it on the pod before, like. At some point, you're not competing against the other people in your room. You're competing against the last guy in the in the room down the hall because of special teams. And, and I think sometimes people forget that. Uh, speaking of linebacker, uh, by the way, and secondary, we yep. want to touch on those two real quick before we head out on this here edition of Take Command. Uh, so linebacker, I mean, I saw a lot of tweets that mentioned Cole Holcomb and Jamin Davis doing things. Cole obviously had the interception yep. return for a touchdown today. Not it, kind of right place, right time, but he made the play. Yep. Um, and, and I think it's significant, one, because we spent so much time talking about it and to get the update is worthwhile, but Ron Rivera added pressure to this on Monday uh, or Tuesday, whatever day it was, that he had his press conference, uh, the season opening one, I think it was Tuesday, um, where he said, or he was asked, you know, do you guys want to still bring in a veteran in any position, specifically linebacker? And he goes, you know, we're going to see how they look this first week, and then if we want to bring in anybody else, we'll go from there. And so the fact that he was well, ready to admit, like, yeah, there's there's always a chance we're going to em- embrace some competition there if, if we need a little bit more competition. And the fact that he put a, a bit of a timeline on it, I don't know how, like, he's just talking. Like, it's not like it's, yeah. okay, it's a week, but, like, clearly that came from somewhere. He's not talking right. out of his, you know, out of yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, long wind-up, given a lot of context and background to say, how have these guys looked over two days and what's the trend at linebacker? Yeah, that's that's a that's a really good question. I think you know, I think obviously Jamin's looking better, and I think I'm excited to see him with pads on because I think he's going to look good with helmets on because he's fast, he's big, and he's his recognition is getting better. Um, we had an interview with him today, and he mentioned like how impactful Cole has been and how studious Cole has been and how Cole just you know basically is able to kind of give him hints on the plays and the formations and where to be uh, before the ball is even snapped so that kind of stuff is really cool to hear that Cole's taken on that role and I think if you're a coach that's almost as important as what you're seeing on the field and so what I would say is that Cole again looks good looks athletic I want to see him with the pads on I want to see how they look because sometimes I'm a little um, uncertain when I watch practice of how they're fitting runs sometimes I'm like is that your gap? Is this your gap? Like it looks a little muddy and there's so much RPO in this offense that it's hard to know where the fit is and if they're in the right spot. Cause I'm like, it looks like there's a hole here, but the quarterback ch- chose to pull it. So are they actually stressing you? Um, and again, they're, they're both good athletes. They both show up. Uh, I, I kind of feel like this is maybe a crazy thing to say that this offense does not attack that level of the defense in a super organized way in the same way that like a Kyle Shanahan offense would 
So it's hard to know where they're at from that standpoint because, you know, there's times where they're, they're just dropping to spots, you know, or they're kind of matching the back or they're matching a crosser. And it's like they can all run, so they run really well with those concepts. And are you really getting any information about that? And there are different coverages. And, you know, like I said, um, you know, like there's some tough stuff with regards to um, – um, like, you know, in this coverage, they're supposed to match and this coverage, they're supposed to sit in this coverage, they're supposed to pass it off. But I'd say on the whole, they, um, they look, they look good and they look about as good as you want them to look. I think to me, the bigger question, in my opinion, is Cam Curl that plays kind of linebacker on first and second down and Forrest, um, in the back end, who's looked much better coming out of OTA is kind of cleaning up some of those mental mistakes and that over aggressiveness towards the line of scrimmage. So having Cam there, having Jamin there, having Cole there, Kalik Hudson's worked in a little bit there, um, I think is a, um, you feel good about that group. The problem with me and the linebacker depth is you feel good about Mayo, kind of that special teams guy, but who's your fifth guy and who, you know, like, do you need to bring Bostic back for a more mentorship role or something like that? Or do you feel good about those four guys kind of holding down the fort? Right, and that was what I was going to ask too. Is like, I guess, I guess four when you've only got two as your starters is is an acceptable number. Five, maybe. Um, yeah. But is is there anyone even worth taking a look at? You know. Yeah, and, I think and, that's the there, question. Because the thing is, like, there is, there are names out there. Yeah. Like there are guys out there that have played a lot of NFL football and some at a very high level. And if you know, if you're going purely in the spirit of competition, it makes no sense not to bring those guys in. Of course, they would be taking reps away from Jamin and Cole, so uh, it does make sense. I'm not, it's, you know, we're not merely in the spirit of competition. We're in the, the, the spirit of being the best football team that you can be. Um, but I do think it's interesting that they have decided to, as training camps gets, got started, they didn't bring in a veteran guy to compete from day one of camp, that they are continuing to do that and and just kind of let these young guys go. And, and it, it, when it would, A, make sense to have some competition and, B, make a lot of sense to have a veteran in the room. They just don't. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point. Um, and I think in some ways it's a vote of confidence for those guys. And, again, I think the I think the crux point, the pivot point here, is probably the first day they got pads on, first two days. I think that's when you're going to see, like, oh, we need to make a move here. Like, because, uh, you know, some of the things that Jamin's like, Jamin has improved dramatically in recognition, right? He's gotten way better in those in that category. You can just tell. He looks like a different player. But the thing, some of the things he struggled with were tackling and de- block destruction, right? So what is he going to do with the block destruction stuff? Because he, they don't have to do a lot of that now. He's looked fine without the pads on, but it's a different animal with the pads on. So if he comes out and kind of falls on his face uh, for a couple of days, like I would expect to see someone come in sooner rather than later just to kind of be like we need somebody here um and again that's not a great situation for Jamin to be in and I don't think that's going to happen but again that that's if I was the coach that's when I would make that move yeah that makes sense that makes sense all right uh you kind of we already started our transition to the secondary oh sorry um sorry no, that's it, no apology necessary. That's where that's we're at. Anyway. That's good podcasting. Television. What, yeah. are, we, what are we doing? Television, here? radio, Jeez. podcasting. I don't know. What are we doing? <laughs> we're just talking. We're talking football. Um, so where's where's Cam playing? And then who is yeah. the other guy playing around him? Because St. Juice is playing a ton of nickel from everything yep. that I've seen. And, and obviously that could be a huge part of what they do where they play more nickel, quote unquote, this year because St. Juice is a corner. It's It's still nickel. It becomes Buffalo nickel when you put a safety down there. But if St. Juice, if they're calling the same plays and just doing different personnel, like it's still a solution. So, what have you seen so far from that rotation of guys, and, and ultimately, how is that trending? 
Well, the defense hasn't put their Cinco package in yet, which is their five defensive linemen. And so on base, it's four down. And then you have your two linebackers, Jamin and Cole. And then uh, Curl is your safety, right? So to get Cole down in the box is like your Buffalo nickel, box safety, whatever, linebacker, whatever you want to call that role. You need to get a backup safety in. So that's where Forrest has come in. And he's looked pretty good, man. He's looked pretty good over the first, again, it's just two days. But the thing that kind of marred his OTA period and minicamp period was he was just giving up a ton of big plays. And um, he has been tested twice so far and and kind of stayed home. Maybe would have gotten a PI on one, but at least he's in the right spot. So that's good. That's an encouraging sign if that's the way you want to go. Another guy to keep an eye on is Percy Butler, who, again, is, I think, backing up kind of that first and second down nickel roll for cam curl that kind of buffalo roll um and he is a guy man he can flat out fly to the football i don't know if he's always doing the right thing because he's kind of you know like (laughs) he's but like there's times you're like holy cow he closed that distance fast so it'd be cool if he could kind of work himself into something more because having that extra speed on the field would be pretty cool and then we've already talked about benjamin st juice like he has uh, you know, he's looking like a guy who's ready for varsity, ready for high-level stuff, going to be a very, very, very solid pro. So I think that's something that gets me really excited about um, about him, you know. And again, the health issue there, you know, I had an interview with Ron earlier this week, and one of the things he mentioned was like, you know, maybe he can do that on first and second down for us. We don't know yet. We want to see how that looks with the pads on. So there's another thing. So maybe you don't need to worry about Forrest in the post because Cam can stay there. And Benjamin can play in the box, which again would be pretty dramatic, but not outside the realm of possibility because he is a big dude. Like he's a tall dude. He's not like a, you know, right. like you see, like you see Cam, and I think they weigh the same actually. But Cam is like built different. He's built like in a solid, stout kind of way, even though he's a tall guy. And Benjamin is not. He's like very narrow-shouldered, skinny wrists kind of guy. And I think um, that's like just a different body type. And I would feel much more comfortable with Cam there, or even Butler, who's not a big guy, but again, just built in a different type of way. So again, that's that's I think a really interesting position battle to keep an eye on, and especially when the pads come on. One thing that I'm hoping Ron gets asked over the next couple of days, I'll probably text someone and be like, "Hey, what do you think about asking this?" Uh, since I don't, I don't go there and ask questions anymore. Uh, is if what, like where the relationship was left with Landon, and if he mm. is he still unsigned, if he yeah. could be a possibility um, at that Buffalo nickel spot, if they if they ultimately feel like they need it, but you know, through a couple of days so far, so good, and uh, we'll see how things are when we reconvene for take command on Monday. Uh, yeah. So with that, make sure that you're watching all the training camp coverage uh, at Commanders on Twitter uh, for Logan and Julie Donaldson and Santana and everybody uh, that's hopping on their set for training camp live. Of course, we have daily reaction, including the training camp five at five every single day on the Hoffman Show, where we play the five most important sound bites from training camp each and Ooh. every day. And make sure you listen to 106.7 The Fan, the Team 980 all day long. We got you covered here at Odyssey Sports. All right. Uh, With that, we will see you guys on Monday. If you like what you hear, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. It will come to you as soon as it is out. Uh, Also, shout out, uh, Matt Essig has joined the squad. Matt! Uh, So uh, he's helping us produce this show now because when you do a daily radio show, you have less time to produce the podcast. But happy to still be hosting it. Uh, Shout out to Matt for, for helping us out. Uh, all right, that's that's really it. That's all, because it's, it's 2.20 now. I have a radio show in 40 minutes. Time to go get ready, uh, and we'll see you Monday on Take Command.